all of you this morning. Man, what a fantastic time of worshiping together. Um, I know it, it makes the heart of Jesus smile, um, but something happens when, when we start to lift our voices and praise and thanks to him, and then he, he touches our lives and he fills us as well. And I needed that, and I know that probably many of you did as well. Uh, we're looking forward to this time together. I'm, I'm, I'm sporting my chapel student shirt this morning because our high school ministry is kicking off, middle school is kicking off uh, this, this morning, also over in the student center. And uh, when I came to the chapel 18 years ago, it was to serve as the pastor of student ministries. And I've long retired from that, you know, or I was just tired of that, uh, like, you know, the all-nighters and, the, you know, all the... But I love our team, and it's so exciting to see what's going to happen in the, life, in the lives of high school students. And so we're just with them and for them and looking forward to that. also want to remind you that this Wednesday night is Worship in Wings, uh, right downtown, right where the stage is, and uh, wing specials from some of the local restaurants and our, some of our worship team, some stand-up comedy, a powerful uh, just testimony about God's grace in someone's life. And so don't miss this Wednesday, Worship with Wings. It, uh, there's flyers out at the Welcome Center if you need more details, but that's coming up uh, this week, and it's a great chance for us to be, a, be the church out in the community and just rub shoulders with people, and uh, so come and be a part of that Wednesday evening, all right? Well, we're in the book of Acts, and we've been studying kind of the, the movement of the gospel, the good news of Jesus, from place to place, region to region, and we're following right now the Apostle Paul and really what is his third missionary journey. And so we come to Acts chapter 20, our key text for this weekend, verses 16 to 21. Lots is happening, but let's just jump right in and see where Paul is at. It says, he had decided to sail on past Ephesus, for he didn't want to spend any more time in the province of Asia. It says he was hurrying to get to Jerusalem, if possible, in time for the festival of Pentecost, a big gathering. And Paul wanted to make it back there to celebrate and to be with other believers. It says, but when he landed in Miletus, he sent message to the elders of the church of Ephesus, asking them to come and meet him. Now, Miletus was about 30 miles uh, travel distance by land from Ephesus. Paul had already been, been in Ephesus, had shared Jesus. A church had been planted. Leaders were growing. He had a heart for them. He, he, he wanted to reconnect, but he knew that he couldn't go back to Ephesus because he'd get tied up. It'd be like a grand family reunion, and he'd just be there forever, and he wanted to get to, back to Jerusalem. And so instead, he, he, he calls for the leaders of the church in Ephesus to come and to meet with him in Miletus. And then this conversation begins. He says, when, I, when, uh, when they arrived, he declared, you know that from the day that I set foot in the province of Asia until now, he says, I have done the Lord's work humbly and with many tears. I don't know about the picture that you gain of the Apostle Paul in the Scriptures, but I'll just be honest. Sometimes, like, I, I look at Paul like this champion of the faith, this courageous, bold leader. I mean, he'll just go anywhere, do anything, say, I mean, speak the truth. And sometimes he comes off to me as of, certainly with confidence, but honestly, at times when I read some of what he has to say, it, it's on the borderline of, I mean, like cockiness almost, but what I see throughout the pages of his letters and, and here again, we're reminded of his deep 
humility and his heart. He says, I ministered amongst you with many tears. I don't think these were tears just because of the suffering that he personally was feeling. I think it's referencing the tears, the, 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 the deep heart, the deep care, the deep compassion that he had for the believers at Ephesus and in many other locations as well. And I love that because it says Paul, he wasn't just a bold, courageous leader. He had sensitivity and heart and compassion. And it's out of this context that he says what he says next. And this is the verse that when I read it over the last couple of weeks, it just rocked me. Paul says, and I never shrank back from telling you what you needed to hear, either publicly or in your homes. He says, I never shrank back from telling you what you needed to hear. This was the boldness. This was the courage in Paul, and yet it came out of the deepest of cares. That word, uh, that phrase, shrink back, is a Greek word, hupotesso, which means to withdraw, draw back, or keep back, to shun, or to conceal. And so when Paul says, I never shrank back from telling you all that you needed to hear, he was saying, I never concealed the truth. I never held back. I never drew back. I didn't chicken out. I spoke the truth. But he did so out of the deepest care and concern. And it says that he didn't shrink back from telling them what they needed to hear. So what was it that they needed to hear? Well, Paul identifies it in the very next verse. He tells them, reminds them of what they needed to hear and what they continued to need to hear and what you and I continue to need to hear in our lives. He says, I've had one message, one message. Like, I mean, it was the same message. I mean, they must have got really tired of it, (laughs) but it was the same message. He said, I've had one message, and he says, for Jews and Greeks alike. So in a sense, what Paul's saying, uh, I had the same message for the the very religious who were rule followers, who thought they kind of needed to do everything to kind of have it together. And I had the same message for them as I had for the Greeks who were, man, they just kind of followed a pantheon of gods and were pagan at heart. And he says, I had one message for both groups. Just like here at the chapel, we have one message. No matter where you're coming from, no matter what your background is, religious, irreligious, grew up in church, uh, have, have never been in church, there's one message It's the same message that Paul had. And what was that message? He said, the necessity of repenting of sin and turning to God and having faith in our Lord Jesus. This is the one central message of the church. It was the one central message that Paul was reminding them that he carried with himself and shared with the people. And it was a message of repentance, not an easy message. Like he was calling people to repent, to like turn their lives around, to, to, to turn away from self and sin and to turn to Jesus. It's interesting that the, the words that are used here in the original language, uh, there's only one article between the word turn or repent to God and faith in Jesus. It's like two sides of the same coin. Paul was saying the one message has two parts. It's turning away from self and turning to faith and belief and trust in Jesus. This was the one message. And he said, I never 
shrank back. I told you what you needed to hear. In fact, later in the passage, he says this yet again in verses 26 and 27. Listen to it. He says, I declare today that I have been faithful. And if anyone suffers eternal death, he says, it's not my fault. (laughs) Why could he say that? Because he had been faithful. He did what God asked him to do. He spoke what God asked him to speak. He served where God asked him to serve. In verse 27, he says, for I didn't shrink back from declaring all that God wants you to know. These are challenging verses. They were challenging for me because I'll be honest, you know, there's sometimes in my life, I, I do, I love people, I care for people. The danger with that is sometimes we don't always speak the truth. Because we know that the truth can sometimes be hard to hear, right? And, and so I, I know that in my life there have been times where I've, I've shrunk back, I've chickened out, I've, and maybe it was out of care and compassion, but real care and compassion will share the truth still. And that's what Paul is getting at in the passage here. And we as a church, we don't want to ever shrink back. We want to we declare to you, to us, together, all that we need to hear. But what's interesting is Paul said, I did that publicly, but also in homes. There, sometimes there's a right place and right time for where this truth needs to be shared. Really what Paul was talking about was, was living with candor, speaking with candor. I think this is kind of like a, a lost art. I don't use the word hardly ever. In fact, I had to, I had to look it up. <laughs> what does it mean? Candor means unreserved, honest, sincere expression, forthrightness. Now, don't you enjoy being around somebody that just has candor? I mean, you might not like everything that they have to say, or sometimes perhaps how they say it, But isn't it good just to be around people that you don't have to wonder what they're thinking? Like, if they're thinking it, they'll share it. They'll they'll speak the truth. They'll say what's on their mind. There's something about that. And Paul lived with candor. He didn't shrink back from telling them everything that they needed to hear. Now, uh, there's a great book by Charles Causey, uh, actually a award winner of the Bronze Star for his service in Iraq or Afghanistan. Um, He's an army chaplain. He's been the chaplain to the chaplains. And he wrote this book entitled, Candor, The Secret to Succeeding at Tough Conversations. A great read. And and in it, he identifies uh, the four keys of candor, which I want to share these with us because They really are rooted in biblical truth. In fact, they're rooted in what the Apostle Paul was saying to the church leaders at Ephesus that we're reading about right now in the book of Acts. The four keys of candor. The first one, he says, is to speak the unspoken truth. I mean, that's what Paul did. He said, I didn't shrink back from telling you what you needed to hear. The truth. The truth about Jesus. The truth about repenting from sin, turning to him. Uh, Speak the unspoken truth. There's so many times in our lives where there's something that we know needs to be said, but we hold back. We don't want to, man, we don't want to shake things up. We don't want to rock the boat. We don't want to, you know, cause an argument. We don't want to cause a fight. And sometimes that can keep us from speaking the unspoken. That's why it's unspoken truth. And Paul was saying, I spoke what maybe others were afraid to speak. And God's challenging us 
to speak what others might be afraid to speak, to share Jesus with others. When you know somebody, I mean, they're looking for the answers and they're searching in so many different ways and so many different areas and trying to find fulfillment. And and rather than giving them just another self-help book or maybe a suggestion, just, just saying, listen, I, I know you don't go to church. I know that you may not believe what I believe, but I'm just telling you, I think what you're looking for is Jesus. Jesus makes all the difference. To not be afraid to say that, to not be afraid to go there. And it means also to speak the unspoken truth to those of us that are already followers of Jesus because we need the gospel every single day. When Paul said, I, I, I told you this one message of repentance, like, I need that. Like, we need that. Like, pretty often, don't we? <laughs> like, moment by moment sometimes, just like we sang, Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour I need you. And Paul was challenging us, just as Charles Causey here is saying, candor is speaking the unspoken truth. But then he says, speaking the unspoken truth with love. Now, this is really, really key. And actually, what's interesting is this comes right out of Paul's teaching. Remember, he's meeting with the church leaders of Ephesus. Well, in a letter that he wrote to that very group of believers, the book of Ephesians in the New Testament, here's what he says in Ephesians 4.15. He says, instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way to be more like Christ. Now, here's the thing. To help one another grow to be more and more like Christ, it means we're going to have to say some hard things. But... If we're going to do it in a Christ-like way, it means we're going to speak the truth in love. How many of you have ever, ever, ever been in a conversation with somebody and they're like, hey, can I just be honest with you? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, some of you are like, oh, yeah, I've said that. Or, oh, yeah, my, my wife just said that with me. Uh, but, but sometimes when somebody says, and of, of course, I want to just reply, well, yeah, shouldn't we always be honest? Like, always. Like, Otherwise, we're being deceitful. Otherwise, we're shrinking back. We're concealing something that, that needs to be shared. But oftentimes, when somebody says, hey, can I just be honest with you? What, what it really means is, I'm about to be harsh with you. But what Paul is saying here is that it's possible to be honest, but we don't have to be harsh. To speak the truth but to speak the truth with love, with care, with compassion, with grace, with mercy. You know, you just hit somebody with the truth. They're going to respond very differently than when they know deep down inside you deeply love and care for them. It's not coming out of a place of judgment it's not coming across harshly. It's coming across with love and mercy. There's a huge difference. You know, some of us in the room, you know, when we heard the, that phrase that Paul says, you know, I didn't shrink back, you're like, yeah, I don't shrink back. I'll tell him. Yeah, I'm, give it to him. Give him to him straight. You know, like, and some of us, that that's the camp that we're in, we need to learn to lean into the compassion and the love and the mercy 
when we're speaking the truth. And then there's others of us that are like me. I remember when Paula, uh, now Lapata, Pastor Eric's wife, uh, we were working on student ministry staff. She goes, yeah, I think Todd's the only person that can rebuke you without you even knowing it. <laughs> like sometimes I'm just too like soft, mushy, like caring, compassionate. And, and, and that's where I need to lean into the, make sure I'm still speaking the truth. Say it. Say it with love. And that's what Charles Causey says candor really is. It's speaking the unspoken truth with love. And then he says, when needed. It's interesting in the text, uh, Paul says, we, we didn't hold back from telling you what you needed to hear, but how many of us know that what I need to hear and when I need to hear it is really, really important? Like timing can be everything. Now, again, if you're like me, um, I'll just wait for the right time. Anybody else out there like that? Yeah. Well, it just wasn't the right time. And, and, and what that becomes is an excuse for not speaking the truth. Others of us, though, <laughs> oh, we spoke the truth in the wrong moment at the wrong time, and it blew up, right? We didn't have a sensitivity. We didn't have a compassion. Like, why would I say to that to them, like, right now? So real candor is speaking the truth in love, but when needed. And remember when Paul said, he said, hey, listen, I, I spoke, to, I didn't hold back, I didn't shrink back. I told you what you needed to hear. And remember what the verse said in verse 20? It says, in the public or in your homes. See, Paul knew that there was a time to say things from the stage, to say things in the synagogue, to say things in his sermon. And he also knew that there was an appropriate time to say things in private to have a conversation, to, to get with a more intimate, small group, to wrestle through some hard truths and challenging one another to live more like Jesus. And then he says, not only to speak the unspoken truth in love when needed, but for the purpose of benefiting others. And this is, again, this goes right back to the Apostle Paul's teaching. Remember, he's meeting in Acts with the church leaders from Ephesus. And in his book that he wrote to the Ephesians in chapter 4, verse 29, this is, the, this is what he says. He says, don't use foul or abusive language. Don't be harsh. He says, let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. What was Paul saying? He's saying, check our motives. Like, if, if we're on our hobby horse to go speak the truth, maybe tell them about Jesus, hey, you need to change your life, to make sure that it's not coming out of a spirit of judgment or condemnation, that it's not coming out of a, a spirit of bitterness, because, oh, that person, they, they made us upset one time, so now, ooh, I get my chance, and I'm going to call them out. To make sure that we check our motives, that it's coming out of a place of compassion and care, caring for their soul. Saying the truth, speaking the truth, so that it might benefit them. Ask ourselves, will this be beneficial? Will, the, will this help them? Is this meant, is this meant to, 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 to hit them? Is it meant to, to pull, pull them down? Is it meant to call them out? Or is the real intention to lift them up? to point them back toward Jesus. Remember, Paul said, I've got one message, and it's the same message for everybody. Our need to turn from self 
and turned towards the Savior. That's what real candor is. Now, as in our closing moments here, I, I want to give us a, another way to kind of frame this and for, for all of us uh, to think about living in candor, of speaking the truth in love. Here the chapel, I don't know, I don't even know where we came across this, where it came from originally, but here at, with, amongst our staff, we've, we've started to use this lingo to make sure that we're having 5% conversations. And you're like, some of you, maybe some of you read it somewhere and you can tell me where we got it from originally. Uh, some of you are like, what is that all about? Let me tell you what a 5% conversation, a 5% conversation, well, let's just put it this way. In a, in a lot of scenarios, um, you know, you've got something that you're feeling, some, some truth that you need to share. It might be with your spouse. It might be with one of your kids. Uh, maybe it's a, a buddy in your small group, and you've just seen him kind of strain off course, and it's like, oh, I, need, I know I need to say something. And so then we sit down to try to have that conversation, right? And, uh, and so we start, we start in, and we... we we share some encouragements and we butter them up a little bit, you know, and compliment them. And we're kind of working our way towards that truth that really needs to be shared. And, and we, we share a little bit and, and we kind of, like oftentimes we share about 95% of what we are really thinking and feeling. And we hold back the last 5%. This is what we're talking about. Now, that last 5%, that's the part that's like, oh man... If I go there, oh man, if I say that, it, it could offend. Oh man, if I, and again, I'm not talking about saying it harshly. It, it's, it's that thing that with your spouse, when you, when you really need to say, I don't think you realize, like, your comment to me in the car, how deeply it cut me. But you know, like, oh, if I say that, I mean, I don't want him to be mad at me. I don't want to cause a fight. And yet you're wounded. And it's that last 5% that you really need to say. Or, or it, it's that thing that you need to say to one of your kids and you just see him drifting off course. And, and you don't want to be the controlling mom or dad, but you're concerned for their soul. And no, they don't, need, they don't need dad. They don't need mom to just beat them up and, and hammer them and say, well, you know what God's word says. But they do need to be pointed back to Jesus. They need to feel, feel your heart. They need to feel your love. They need to feel your care, your compassion, like how you're hurting, how you're aching for them. And to not hold back to say, honey, I'm really worried about you. This could change the direction of your life. To speak the truth, but to speak it in love, and to say the last 5%. Probably all of you, you can think of conversations that you've had with individuals, you know, and there was just that one thing, though, and you, you're like, oh, man. And you didn't say it, and guess what? Things didn't get better. It didn't get better for you. It didn't get better for them. Say the last 5%. Let's live lives of candor. Speak the unspoken truth, but make sure we speak it with love when needed. Paul was trying to live out, and he lived that out amongst the Ephesians, and the Ephesian church was a force to be reckoned with. Their lives were being both 
challenged and changed by God's grace. So I want to give you two next step questions. Number one, who do I need to have a 5% conversation with? Probably you've already been thinking about it. Or maybe you need to flip the question and say, who needs to have a 5% conversation with me? What's the last 5% that, like deep down, I know I need to hear? And am I welcoming that kind of input and encouragement into my life? And then the second question, how did I respond when someone shared their last 5%? They might not have called it that. Well, the last time that somebody said something, your spouse or one of your kids or a coworker, a boss, and they had to say something, and it was hard. And to say, how did I respond to it? Did I, did I get defensive? Did I get angry? Or did I welcome it in? And if I didn't respond well, what do I need to do to go and make it right and go back to that person and say, you know what, you were trying to say something to me, and it was true, and it was hard for me to hear, and I did not respond right. And I appreciate you having the courage to speak the truth to me. And let's keep it centered, okay? Not, not on our political views and not on you know, things that we just want to, you know, personal preferences that we want to call people out upon. Let's make sure that we're centering it back in the one message. It's about Jesus. It's about coming to faith in Jesus or it's about taking our next steps in following Jesus. And when it's about that and we do it with the right heart, listen, we can never lose. We'll be caring for each other, loving each other the way that Jesus calls us to. Would you pray with me? God, thank you for your grace, and thank you for your word, and thank you for the example of the Apostle Paul. God, I am sorry for the times where I have shrank back. Give me courage. Give us courage. But God, we don't go out of this place looking for the next person to call out or blast move our hearts in compassion and care so that it might come from the right place, from your spirit at work in us and that longs to work in our friends, our brothers, our sisters. To that end, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me pronounce this benediction over us. And now, I entrust you to God and to the message of his grace that is able to build you up, to give you an inheritance with all those he has set apart for himself. God bless you guys. Have a great rest of your weekend.